0: All right, Painter, I got the feeling when we talked before we hit record that you're on a little bit more of the negative end of your takeaways from the Iron Bowl. And I feel like I'm a little bit more on the positive end, even though, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's balance to be had here. Um, after the game, I think Roger McCurry said it best. Nobody got too high. Nobody got too low. They kind of kept it in the middle. I think this podcast should keep it in the middle. I think, I think the, the takeaways from this game, I think you don't want to go one way or the other too hard. Uh, I think we can do a do a 50/50 reaction podcast to the to the Iron Bowl. What do you think?
1: Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put 30 minutes on the clock. We are going to do 30 minutes of positives. We're going to do 30 minutes of the negatives and then we'll talk basketball, which is going to be a lot more positive than negative. Sounds good? All right, let's get to it. is the auburn observer podcast the weekend edition the recap edition and buddy we have a lot to talk about justin ferguson right here in auburn painter travels and parts unknown hello painter howdy i think people are getting closer and closer to figuring out who, what parts unknown are Lonnie's <laughs> i think Lonnie's on it he's I think Lonnie's getting close heating up it's getting warmer heating he's, up he's getting he's getting warmer he's getting warmer um all right so uh iron Bowl. auburn loses 24 22 and four overtimes we will talk about the the good and the bad, and then we will talk a lot about a lot of basketball in here. So uh, this is going to be a pretty jam packed podcast. So we're not going to waste your time too much with a lot of intro. Here we go. I'm gonna put 30 minutes on the clock right here and go. Uh, I didn't think Auburn was going to have much of a chance in this game. Uh, I think the way they had been playing the last few weeks, especially on the defensive side, was going to give them a lot of trouble. Um, I felt like you know coming into the game, I, I wrote about it. You know, we talked about it in the in the last podcast, and you know the uh, the the story on Tuesday. Every first year head coach in the Iron Bowl either came out of it with a win or a competitive loss, where they led at one point, and it was a really good Alabama team, and they got momentum moving forward. And it felt like Harson and Auburn was going to be in a worse spot this year because of the losing streak and just because of it. Like it was it was a bigger hole to climb out of. Um, lo and behold. They did it. It was ugly, especially on offense, but they did it. It was seven nothing at halftime. Uh, it was ten nothing heading into the fourth quarter. They had they had Alabama on the ropes, and um, a few plays that could have gone their way didn't. That could have ended the game, and they ended up losing it. But I I think if you want to look at the positives from this game, is the fact that there was not a lot of people who who gave Auburn much of a chance in this game. Um and as twenty point dogs at home, and they came very very close to winning several times. And even though the result is ultimately what what matters, Harson saying there's no moral victories in a game like this. No one's going to look positively about a loss if you're an Auburn fan. I get that, I understand that. But like the performance itself, especially on the defensive end, you got to look at it and be like, okay, there's something here. There, there's at least something you can build off of. Uh, if you're Auburn
1: this was the least that I had thought about an iron Bowl that I can remember and Auburn sucked me
0: right back in mm-hmm. and man the crowd was into it like from the beginning I mean it took that first three and out for Alabama's offense and it was like okay it's time to go to war um the crowd at Jordan Hare Stadium was one of the loudest I've heard even you know through the freaking fishbowl that we sit in now and again I you know I don't want to complain too much about uh, about you know writing about football for a living. Um, I think
1: Auburn fans should not be generally thrilled about how that looks.
0: Yeah, it's not great, um, but you could still tell the energy out there and the and the and the and the, the the noise was so much was happened in this game.
1: I forgot about that first exchange where Auburn looks dreadful. It's backed up near its own goal line, right? And I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama after getting Auburn off the field immediately, you're going, oh boy, yep. good field position. I had forgotten that that stop sort of felt like, okay, hang on. like we'
0: there's yeah. something here. And ultimately the biggest positive from this game is going to come from the defensive side of the football. And that is pretty telling. I mean I think there was a lot of criticism lobbied towards uh, uh, Derek Mason uh, for the last few weeks. and I mean understandably so, Auburn blew the lead they did against Mississippi State. Um, They had a hard time stopping South Carolina in big spots. A South Carolina team was not very good on offense. And yet this this defense looked a lot more like the defense that we saw earlier in SEC play that was getting after it uh, up front, uh, doing a good job of not giving up the big play on the back end, and getting stops in the most important times. I mean, Bama was 1 of 4 on fourth down, 8 of 22 on third down. Um, Oof, that fourth down was brutal, though yeah the fourth down the fourth down itself was was very very brutal um the one they did convert I just, this is a defense that held Alabama Br- Bryce Young is unreal good um the way I mean he was under pressure all game and Auburn has a lot to do with that obviously this is a pass rush that's gotten a lot of criticism and they were in Young's face pretty much all game uh seven sacks the most since the honk if you sack Brody game this is, I mean, this was a pretty relentless pass rush from TD Moultrie. Good grief, TD Moultrie had the game of his life. Derek Hall had three sacks. A lot of guys getting involved back there, and Auburn did exactly what they needed to do coming into this game, which was get early down pressure on Young, get him behind the chains, make it tougher and tougher for Alabama to get anything going. Um, Young coming out of this game, forty-nine percent completion percentage, uh, and his yards per attempt was like somewhere in like the sixes. Um, I know he finished with 317 yards, but he threw the ball 51 times in, in the game and dropped back to even more in it. Um, you know, th- this is this is a this is a game for Auburn's defense that the loss sucks. It's painful. It's all the things that Hall said after the game uh, to us. But like, you should take a lot of pride in that if you were an Auburn Auburn defender that you made a guy who had a real chance. I mean. the, the – Looking at what happened at Ohio State-Michigan earlier in the day, and that game was wrapping up right as Auburn was getting going, Bryce Young had, the, had it right in front of him to go win the Heisman, right, because of what happened uh, at Ohio State. And I don't – I mean, he did have the big drive late, but, like, these numbers are not fantastic. You made one of the front runners for the Heisman, one of the best quarterbacks in the country this season, look pretty human. And, um, I mean, it, it's, it, it will not go down as a legendary performance because uh, it's a loss. But, man, I mean, the, that defense, the game plan was good, the execution was good, and, and it just, just wasn't perfect because this is a college football game played by college, college kids. But, man, it, it was really, really good.
1: There's so many individual performances that you want to look at and spend a bunch of time applauding for Auburn's defense. But as a unit brilliant work.
0: Yeah, it, the pass rush and the coverage were both locked in together. That was big. Now, a few things. Alabama's offensive line is not very good at all. Like this is this is a unit that has struggled in pass protection even more so than Auburn has this year. This is a unit that has struggled with running the ball even more so than Auburn has this year. And, you know, Auburn took advantage of some things. Brian Robinson Jr. uh like he got banged up at one point in the game, so they had to run to, with Trey Sanders a little more. And Sanders isn't quite the running back that Robinson is at this point in his career. Jamison Williams getting ejected in the first half definitely changed things in in the game. Um, Why Alabama in all of their infinite wisdom and depth uh, has their best wide receiver as a, as a punt coverage guy. I don't know Uh, saying that, knowing that also Shedrick Jackson for Auburn, a starting wide receiver uh, had had some big plays uh, in that category uh, later in the game, but his ejection changed things John Mechie was targeted 27 times in this game they threw the ball to him 27 times um and
1: sometimes an example of football not being that complicated
0: like yeah give it to the good guy we're gonna let our quarterback give the ball to our best receiver and then let him continue to go work and so Auburn take advantage of those things but you have to you have to make those plays right like you know there were Auburn didn't have their starting quarterback out there. Auburn didn't have their starting kicker out there. They, they, you know, still put themselves in a position to win. You have a chance to take advantage of that. Um, Roger McCreary. Who, buddy? Four pass breakups in this game. Um, he drew Mechie a lot. A uh, lot of incompletions thrown his way. Some completions. The one at the end, uh, of course, which he took. He said, man, it was just bad technique for me. Which, I mean, at that point in the game, you're facing, like, the – I think it was the 88th play of the game. Um, and so it's like, you know, it's tough. And, like, you, ha- you hate to miss in that in that, in, in that situation. But you look at the full of, you know, length of the game. Like, he played really well. Mechie's a tough guy to cover. Mechie got the jump on him quite a few times. And he recovered. He recovered really, really well. Which I think when you look at the next level and you look at the type of guys that, that play in the, in the league, you have to be that kind of uh, kind of cornerback sometimes where you can just close out and make plays. Um, I thought it was a phenomenal game from him. And, uh, yeah, the ending was not great, but the whole – I mean, one of his better performances. He said after the game, he said, I don't think, I, I don't think I've seen my team play that well for four quarters. Um, and I think that says a lot. I think that says a lot because this is a team that uh, a lot of people were down on um, coming into it and, and for decent reason td Moultrie, i think pro football focus has him down for 10 pressures in that game um man how big has he been coming back and, and you know how much did auburn miss him during those stretches this season but another kid i mean this is like like uh, like mccreary alabama native playing in his last uh you know home game comes out and shines against against the crimson tide um same thing for moultrie uh Birmingham kid and and plays a game that uh I mean he was relentless and they were moving him all over the place and it didn't seem that Alabama had much of an answer for him or Derek Hall but then everybody kind of got involved as well in the pass rush I mean it was a kind of total team effort that I think a lot of people have been waiting to see from this group um uh, because there are a lot of weapons there Colby Wood uh Derek Hall like I like I said Marcus Harris uh getting a sack, TD Moultrie. Um smoke coming in on a blitz. Eculiota had a big had a big tackle at one point in the game. Like that was kind of the defense that we expected to see from Auburn most of the year. But to do that against Alabama, I think is 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 a really, really telling sign. Um that the talent was there. Um they just I, I guess they just needed the right opportunity and the right, you know, set of circumstances for them to take full advantage.
1: We laugh at narratives sometimes and a lot of times they are manufactured regarding Roger though. If there was a narrative about people who were vaguely familiar of this guy, especially the NFL draft heads out there, this was one where it was great to have a performance like that. I think it sets a narrative yeah. in motion because he has a good body of work, but that's a game that I'm sure a lot of people were locked into.
0: A hundred percent. Colby went 11 tackles in that game. Eight of them solo, uh, Zachary so McLean continues to be one of the best run stopping linebackers I've ever watched. Um, the athleticism there was was great for him. By Derek Knight coming up with a big pick, kind of like in the same spot he did at the LSU game, where you know you you kind of sit in center field and wait um, while the pressure is coming, and then the quarterback's trying to make a play. And this defensive effort, uh, you, you can't you can't say enough about it. Uh, Alabama was three and a half yards per carry when you adjust for sacks. 4.3 yards per play in total for an Alabama team that has been like offense has been its calling card offense has been the reason why it's the number two team in the country all year long a, a really really good uh performance from them offensively there's not a whole lot of positive here um I think the positives you can get are you know T.J. Finley fighting through that ankle injury um uh, again we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later I just, I don't think they were it's kind of like with the Bo Nix thing. It's like, I, there's just not a whole lot of faith in, like, you would rather roll out a banged-up dude right now than a than guy behind him. And, you know, whether that's whether that's a positive or a negative, I will say Finley did make some plays and make some throws, you know, after he got rolled up uh, that were really, really strong. Landon King, Auburn, the Auburn Beats' favorite player, uh, Landon King. What a catch! Oh my goodness! What a, what a catch! For that to be your first career touchdown, he's like, "Yep, one hander, back one hander in the end zone in the Iron Bowl in overtime." Um, John Samuel Shanker had had a really big catch. Uh, Demetrius Robertson had, I think, one of his more efficient days. Um, and I, you know, the, the, Auburn's offense had some individual bright spots. On the whole, it was not great, obviously. Um, but there was a, there was a lot of fight to these guys. Like, and, and I think really only one big negative play, maybe a couple of them, um, kind of throughout the game. I just, this offense was in a bind. Um, you know, you have an Alabama run defense where that's their specialty. Their specialty is slowing down the run and Auburn averaged two yards per carry in this game. Um, and your quarterback was not a hundred percent. Your, it wasn't even your starter. Um, and it was just kind of just, can you do enough? And for, for stretches that game, they were doing enough. Uh, but a really tough break, uh, you know, down the stretch. I just, I I still, Kobe Hudson's touchdown was also a really good one. Uh, great individual play from him. Um, that Shanker catch in the first half was, was, was one of the, one of the more memorable ones of the season. Um, yeah, it's just, I I think not a whole lot to say positive about the offense, but I think you got to look at it kind of like. Switching back to the team as a whole, this team had lost three straight games. This team had lost in just soul crushing fashion, multiple weeks in a row. Like you said, Painter, this is the least you've thought about the Iron Bowl heading into it in a while. I think the fan base, even though in the game they got them believing again, had kind of decently checked out. You know, at this point, for for a good number of people, and. You wouldn't be able to tell, if you cover up the records, you would not have been able to tell in that game which one of those teams was on a, on a three-game losing streak and which one was fighting for their, their playoff life. Like, you would not have been able to tell any difference in them. Like, the, the, the fight from beginning to end of this season, I think it's the one thing about uh, Brian Harson and his staff um, that can be really commended is that those guys played 60 minutes, and in this case even more than 60 minutes, Every single game. Every single game. And that's – we saw LSU give up at times this year. We saw Florida give up at times this year. We've seen other teams just completely mailing in. Auburn never was in that spot.
1: Let me take you back to Jacoby McClain. Mm -hmm. I think Quietly has had one of the best careers at linebacker since the year 2000.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if you want all told, if you want to say he's probably the best linebacker Auburn has had since, you know, the 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 early two thousands, yeah. I mean, I think you're I mean you're talking about a guy like you know, Deshaun Davis and K J. Britt broke, you know, helped break the streak with no no all SEC linebackers, right? You gotta go back to T Will, you gotta go back to, you know, Carlos Dansby, Don Harris, Thomas, those guys. Um Zacoby Has the run fit? Uh, You know he's got the instincts and the vision and the smarts, all that stuff that Davis and Britt really had. McLean's just a just just a little quicker and and, uh, and and a better tackler in space. That I mean he is he's a he's. He's a tremendous uh, linebacker. And some people may think he might be a little too small to play at the next level. I don't think so. I think the linebacker in in, in the NFL is getting smaller and smaller. And that dude can stonewall a lot of run but and, and, and will hold his own in pass coverage. Just a excellent, an excellent career. Um, and it sounds like this is it for a lot of these seniors. Um, but, yeah, an excellent career for him. And, and I think McCreary as well.
1: I'll be curious to see what players do that have the year – and and choose to come back or if they should choose to come back especially along the offensive line.
0: Yeah, I think all the linemen w- who were seniors went through the senior day stuff before the game except for Brendan Coffey. I think Brendan Coffey was the only one. And again and again with Coffey, like he hadn't played yet so like you could throw a red shirt at some point and and kind of manipulate that a little bit, but yeah, I will say with the defense, and not just switch it too hard in the negative. This is going to be big to build on moving forward if you're Auburn, because a lot of the players that stood out on Saturday could not be here next year. There's a there's a chance that they're not here next year. Either they're going to the NFL. As seniors are going going early, like and you didn't have Owen Papo in this game either, and like it's going to be a tough spot. But Derek Mason had a really good game plan. His players executed it, played it with a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, what you want to have um, on that side of the ball. Uh, And, I mean, can't say anything, can't say anything enough about Auburn's defense. I know the final drive did not go their way. And that was a combination of maybe missing a couple plays and then, good gracious, that was a – wonderful pitch and catch there to (sighs) tie it up um but yeah this is uh there's a lot to uh there's a lot to like i think about what auburn did on the defensive side and moving forward like big picture wise like i said at the beginning they had to get some sort of momentum this is a big recruiting weekend um they had a ton of people there and those guys got treated to an insane atmosphere and i think the pitch there for auburn was like look nobody believed in us heading into this game everybody kind of counted us out but look at the support you got look at this environment and look at the team we you know had on the ropes and yes you didn't win and you didn't finish the job and that will be the ultimate miss there because man think about how much of a recruiting boost it would have been if you'd have won but you've got to build off of this and brian harson after the game was asked about if he was committed to being at Auburn moving forward, and like, look, there's the Washington uh, rumors, um, you know, and he was very straightforward about it. About it, and he said, "Look, I came to Auburn for a reason. You know, we didn't win. Uh, the guys in the locker room know where I stand. Um, you're disappointed, but he, but he's wanting to be here and he wants to build. Um, they got the momentum they want. What are they going to do with it?" What are they going to do with it? Because it's not going to be easy. And we said that, and we said that coming in. It's like, it's not going to be easy. But they have got to take this and get some recruiting going. I mean, Harson said, we've got to go out there and recruit, 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 recruit. Like, and that starts this week. Like this, that, that starts in, in full force, Like, really, where you can put a ton of your attention, if not most of it, um, or all of it, or whatever, uh, right on the recruiting uh, aspect of it. They've got to – Get some commitments and flip some guys. they got to hit the portal hard. they got to take advantage of it because, um, you know, they can't afford to fall further and further behind. And this roster rebuild they're about to go through is going to be difficult, I think, because of what you might be losing up front and what you might be losing on the defensive side of the ball. But we've seen teams hit the portal and do a really, really good job of it and flip it. And we've seen teams in year twos of systems – uh and coaching staffs take that next step and like they've got a lot of things have got a hit for if you're auburn but if you're looking at you know what can you take away from it on the positive end um I, you know i have to say that you know there was a lot of reason to kind of hang it up and 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 slump and they've they uh you know they showed a lot of fight and they showed that they can compete like this team can compete pretty much with everybody but georgia at, you know, at home. Um, we'll, we'll see about it on the road. But I think on their day, this team showed that they can compete with anybody. Except for Georgia. And I don't <laughs> know if anybody's going to compete with Georgia this year. I really don't. I think Alabama, if they play like they did yesterday against, uh, against Alabama. They'll the lose NCAA, about
1: 34 to 10.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll say that, and it'll be a nail-biter all the way through now. Uh, but uh, recouping some of the momentum had to be the big, big takeaway in this game. And it's just like, all right, you got it what do you do off of it and there's going to be some tough evaluations and some tough decisions being made in terms of personnel in terms of strategy in terms of what you're doing moving forward and they have got to hit on a lot of things in recruiting and um, it's not impossible but uh, you know you can't let you can't let what you got right here even though it was a loss slip through your fingers and so we'll, we'll see we'll see how they do that
1: I presume that coaches are on somewhat of a routine and a schedule so that at this time of the year, a light bulb flips on for them and they go into recruiting mode. But I also think it's telling that Harson emphasized that so heavily in his post-game comments. I think he's aware that that's a big conversation outside of that athletic department. I know coaches won't admit to hearing those complaints or concerns, but i don't know what else to say except that they've got a lot of work to do in that department. Hopefully, those kids had a good time on their visits. Um, right now, I'm pretty nervous about the direction we're heading into with Signing Day.
0: Yeah, and and there's got there's a lot that's got to change in the next month for for those fears to go down. That's just the that's just the the straight facts of it. Um, I think Auburn's going to hold a lot of uh, a good chunk of uh of scholarships to hit the portal hard but like they still got room to grow this high school class um so they've got to go out there and do it painter uh the i think one of the other positives from this game is that this season is not over and i say that to say this i think this has the potential to be one of the more important bowl games auburn has played in a long time uh most of the time like we 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 talked about it like you know the the malzahn era the bowl record was always thrown at him and it was, you know, used to criticize. And, like, look, I, I still think, yes, the bowl, bowl games are exhibitions. They're kind of detached from the regular season. Um, you know, it, it shouldn't – that shouldn't be used to judge a, a team's quality or a coach's quality. i say all that, I'd say this.
1: A 6-7 record, buddy. Ooh.
0: That is a big one. Avoid the losing record, right? That's going to be a big one. And number two, it's like we talk about momentum. We talk about it building, moving forward get a win in that losing streak and and just end the season on a high note. In the season on a high note is, is going to be a thing and like I think that's a positive thing and you know if you don't come back from if you don't come back from the Georgia State game like you, you you are you're in a you're in a losing season. You are like a little shade higher than Texas right now. Um but you look at Auburn and their schedule, they're one in 3 in one possession games this season. They didn't really hang with uh, Georgia, um, they lost two games at their teams that they're not as good, that, that they're better than, as, uh, you know, Mississippi State and South Carolina. You lost to Penn State on the road in a, in a close game. Um, you lost to Texas A&M on the road, and it's just you weren't ready at that point. Those things can at least be explained. Um, but also, Painter, by double digits, Auburn beat what is now going to go down as the best Ole Miss team ever. Um... They beat a pretty good Arkansas team away from home, and that Arkansas team continues to hang in there as a, as a ranked uh, a ranked opponent. You did what you do against Alabama. Um, the Auburn team's is, you know, a few plays, a few sequences away of going, you know, eight and four, maybe even nine and three, and that's not a consolation prize, but I think that also says it's like if you're looking for the future, this team is capable of winning eight or nine games – and building off of that, moving forward, like this could have been an eight and four season. Could have been even a nine and three season, or, or whatever. And you and you push that ahead. This is not a like, oh man, Auburn was really down there. Like, when your problem is not finishing and not closing out games, like you put yourselves in the position to be a much better team this year. And a year one record is not going to be the end all be all for a staff. So you got to play off of it. And I think that I think the twenty twenty two season even though it's going to be different players and stuff like that. I think that season kind of starts with the bowl game and it'll come down to matchup. and It'll come down to who plays and it'll come down to all that kind of stuff. But like, this is a, this is what what we're talking about. You can't go out there and, and I don't think lose, or if you do lose, it can't, it can't be like, Oh, well, we had a double digit lead and we lost that one.
1: Bit of a self-own here because we'll have played our way into whatever bowl game it is. We draw on the opponent that we match up against, but aren't we going to end up playing some kind of not impressive team? I mean, come on, guys. Let's get a little momentum here in the Mayo Bowl or whatever it is we're fighting in.
0: I, I, was, talk, I was looking through it. So there's a lot. Uh, there are 12 SEC – I think there are 12 SEC bowl tie-ins at this point and like 13 teams that are going to go in. So, like, somebody's going to go to a bowl that doesn't currently have an SEC tie-in because we think that Bama and Ole Miss will probably be – like, say Georgia wins and make the playoff. Like, we see Bama, Georgia, Ole Miss – in the new year six and the, in the, in the, uh, playoff. And then it's like this wad of teams and, you know, it'll just come down to what the sec thinks they can send. Like, I think Auburn's a better pull right now than Missouri. I think Auburn might be a better pull right now than LSU. Hey, Lincoln Riley. Um, how about that? How about Lincoln Riley? Just being like, Oh, I got got
1: by the way. Yeah. Oh, on, you did on social media with the Brett McMurphy account. Oh, you got the fake Brett. McMurphy. Oh yeah. I was, oh, I was excited. No. Yeah. So, uh, gotta look at, gotta check and make sure that's not the little cue ball or whatever that thing is.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there, you can play an ACC team. You can play a big 10 team. You can play a big 12 team in, in the tie-ins, probably in that pool that Auburn's going to go up to. I, if they go to the Birmingham bowl, they might have to play an AC team. Ooh, Hey, UCF. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, a. uh, uh I think Auburn best case scenario is they draw a team like a Virginia or a Boston College or a, um there was another one I saw uh there was a Big 12 team I saw that I was I'm trying to remember right now that's like run defense not good at that like you you want to play one of those kind of teams because uh uh they they've got to be able to run the ball especially with 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 Knicks out. Have we hit our positive time frame? We got 2 minutes. We got two minutes. I think we can do two more minutes, can't we? Oh, okay. Here, here you go. Two minutes. Two minutes. Uh, we haven't talked about this yet from the from the positives of the game. Special teams. Yeah. Man, yeah. Oscar Chapman with an incredible game. Ben Patton, when I don't know, I would have loved to take a taken a poll of like, hey, do you think Ben Patton's about to hit this 49-yard field goal?
1: You're I'm a better not. person than me because I was like, this is going to go 15 yards to the right.
0: That thing would have been good from 60. He hit the absolute fire out of the ball um Somebody buy that man a meal. Yeah, it was a it was a good uh, you know a good special teams performance in a game also where they were throwing a lot of flags. people was Payble had 129 penalty yards in this game. You know Auburn stayed away from the big penalties from what and a couple of them that they did have they probably could say I don't know the Jarquez Hunter play was was uh, was was a little iffy. I think uh, I think there was some acting there from uh, from the uh, from the Alabama defender uh, to get that call. But yeah, I, you know, we're talking positives here, man. Specialty, specialty is play well, and that's another thing. It's like when you talk about this team moving forward, and and changes are going to be made in in terms of the roster. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be some new staff members. I don't know who, and I don't know where. So you know, not saying anything anybody uh, doesn't know at this point. But you know, there have been times this season where Auburn's offense has looked really good, and the play calls look good, and the executions look good. There's times when their defense, same thing, and there's even times when the special teams look good. So it's like there's a lot of like, hey, get rid of everybody after bad performances, and it's like, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. When you're six and six, you kind of have a mixed bag kind of year in pretty much all three phases. Um, so I think the special teams bouncing back from from what they had had was was pretty big because Bama, once again, the uh, the field goal demons at Auburn uh, continue to continue to torture them i if i'm bam i just don't even try a field goal like and i know he hit the one in, in double overtime but i don't even try that there you go there there's go. your timer all right
1: good work special teams proud of you all
0: right 30 minutes on the clock go your biggest negative from this game banner
1: they lost
0: well yeah yeah that's good good point good point your second biggest negative then
1: the offense just needed one touchdown in the second they- half
0: Auburn's only touchdown in this game came on a drive that started from the Alabama thirty-nine, and it needed a third and fifteen heave to Demetrius Robertson, and then the the touchdown pass to Hudson. Auburn's offense was doing nothing in this game. I get the I get it. It's like you don't have Bo Nix out there, and T.J. Finley is not at a hundred percent. This game, I think, was kind of the the ultimate. I don't know indictment or I. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Like it was the ultimate, like here you go, kind of uh, the offensive line problem at Auburn and the legacy that it has. And had
1: a good line since 2017.
0: And we can talk about recruiting and we can talk about development. Look, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag all these dudes through the mud individually, but like as a unit. It just hasn't worked out. I think that's anybody can sit there and, and play high. You can point fingers at this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. I'm not going to do that because one, I'm not smart enough to do that, and two, it's like it's a cohesive thing. It's an offensive line thing. They couldn't run the ball, and we knew coming into the game they weren't going to be able to run the ball because they hadn't been able to run the ball against anybody who can do that consistently. But then also, like man, it looked at the beginning of the game that Will Anderson was just going to just live in the in the Alabama and in, in the Auburn backfield and. I mean, some of the numbers from this game: twenty-nine times for thirty for sixty-three yards for Tank Bigsby. Um, they said after the game that a four-yard run would be considered a success. Well, they only got eight of those. According to our friends at Game on Paper, seventy-one percent of Auburn's runs went for two or fewer yards on Saturday, and forty-one percent of them went for no gain or a loss. If you're trying to work the clock and you were trying to like yeah run the ball and and. I don't know. Maybe after that turnover on downs, maybe run the ball on first down and just kill something. Like, don't give the ball back to him with four seconds. Like, yes, you know, tough throw, you know, uh, deflected off the hands. Like, that. the interception was bad. And, and, you know, I think bad decision by multiple people, I think bad execution by multiple people, and like, you know, good heads up play by Alabama. But it, it just starts up front. And like Alabama's defensive front, you knew they were gonna. That was gonna be their big, that was gonna be their big uh, strength on this team. And their defense is the one thing they don't want to, you know, kill uh, their defensive coordinator for. Um, and I forgot—is it Pete Golding, defensive coordinator? Uh, everyone's, everyone's favorite bro, uh, Pete Golding. That man, that man does not look like a football coach. I don't know what he does, but it ain't a, like it does not look like he's a football coach. Looks
1: like he hangs out at Innisfree.
0: <laughs> um and it's like the other thing uh finley said after the game he's like hey the guys up front especially played their tails off and it's like it's true it's like t- it was like the a&m game as well it's like you can't sit there and say like oh they're not giving any efforts like oh it's just not working like you just don't have it you just don't have it and any negative from this offensive performance you can talk about i mean like look, finley completed 65 percent of his passes and auburn did not throw the ball deep at all like his 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 average yard uh, depth of target was like 6 in this game meanwhile Bryce Young was like hey I'm getting under pressure but I'm going to throw this thing you know downfield you can talk about having your second string quarterback in there you can talk about the the inconsistencies at wide receiver this season and the lack of development there and and how it's kind of been a little boom or bust at that position you can talk about a lot of those things you can talk about some of the some of the issues at running back in terms of, like, individual runs and stuff. But it starts up front. We watched Ohio State-Michigan, those of us who did, watch Michigan just say, hey, we're going to beat our rival for the first time in a while by just beating the tar out of them in the trenches. And that was how they won that game. And I'm not saying Auburn was going to ever do that in this game, but that goes a long way. And, like, it wasn't like Bama, like, Bama doesn't have their normal offensive line in their normal running game, so it wasn't like they were doing that either. But... Man, if you could have turned the back the clock just a little bit in this game, it's it's it, it all started up front. And we can talk play calling, we can talk about execution, we can talk about the mistakes by the by in the passing game, mistakes in the run. It's just the offensive line. This just kind of felt like man, if they could have just been a little bit better, Auburn wins that game. And that's kind of the legacy at this point, right? This is what Auburn inherited and that's what and and moving forward You've got to rebuild this, unit you know, because it doesn't seem like Nick Brahms and Austin Troxel and Brandon Council and some of those guys will be back. Well, you know, they some of them could come back, right? But like you're hitting a kind of a rebuilding stretch where it's like Killian Zyre and Keandre Jones might only be the might be the only ones coming back that's got some starting experience, and you can hit the portal, and that could help you, but you know. <laughs> Everybody else in the world is going to be trying to get those guys as well, and so it's not going to be easy. And you know, maybe maybe some of your younger maybe it's uh, maybe it's time for a guy like you know Tate Johnson or um, one of the big tackles, one of the big younger tackles. And it's like they just need a little bit more time, and a little bit more seasoning and, and development. Like maybe that's it, but like it's it it's the reason why it's it's a big reason why your offense looked like it did on saturday so i think it's the main reason why your offense look like, like it did on saturday and it's hard to say where it gets better next year because there's a lot like i said a lot of things have to go right a lot of things have to go right and so yeah i i think i mean tj finley 65 percent completion percentage he had one you know bad pick um he wasn't, didn't really have time to push the ball down the field like he, like he normally wants to. He's playing on a bum ankle, and he wasn't able to take some free yards at certain spots. I, played fine. It played fine to be in that spot. Um, you know, Auburn, Auburn was – this is what Auburn dealt with. Their, their quarterback, who had been playing pretty well this season in a lot of games, and, and handling pressure, like handling the type of pressure that he was getting, like escaping, doing some of the things that Bryce Young was able to do. He's got a broken broken leg bone. Like you got to got to do something with that. So um, I think a lot of credit's got to go to Finley and uh, being here. I mean, he got an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you were, we were talking about this before we quarter Painter doesn't seem like Auburn's going to have any sort of quarterback controversy. It'll be interesting to see what Nix does. Um, I think I think he probably comes back and I think he probably retakes his job. But he's going to be he's got a rehab process ahead of him
1: yeah, I think Finley's performance, like you said, fine. I mean, he threw for one thirty seven. It's like it's all about what you expect out of a guy being shoved into that position because statistically, he obviously wasn't impressive. clearly wasn't one hundred percent in his health. Got no help from his offensive line, sort of making them one dimensional. Um, he's not a runner, but like he really couldn't ex- even extend plays because of the injury um ultimately though like i don't think it's a performance you walk away from feeling great about tj finley either i think it's just i think it's like the south
0: carolina game it's solid yeah it's a
1: balancing act of like well he's been put in a tough position versus well this really wasn't a great
0: performance either it's like the south carolina game he's not the reason why he lost he's not Uh, i mean i think i think he played really well in circumstances but i think you know at it's it's a it's a when quarterbacks play well you know you shouldn't give all the credit to them and when quarterbacks don't play so well you shouldn't give all the all the criticism towards them so yeah we'll we'll see what that looks like moving forward but they've got it the the revamp has to start on the offensive line uh tank bigsby the out of bounds play okay so there are a few things there are a few things here i want to say about this one did he know to not go out of bounds I think so, but I think it was also the heat of the moment, and he uh, he was a yard away from getting the first down, and then the, and the game's pretty much over, so I can't fault him for fighting like that um i can't I can't fault him for doing that. It was a great play by Alabama to get him out of bounds um, yeah, I think a little and, more credit and get needs it's to, third one if you can yeah. get a yard if you get a yard on the next play instead you go backwards for four yards because yeah you know, offensive line yeah yeah um
1: no I, I mean i I also think a little credit needs to go to Alabama for. For dragging him out, it would have been nice. Yes, in hindsight, if he'd fallen down, but he's thinking I'm I'm gonna get this first down. I'm he's gonna like, win this game. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not thinking that he's not gonna get it. Um, yeah. And like you say, it's not like it was third down either. They they had right. one more chance to do it, and instead went very very backward.
0: And if it, and you know if they get it, they only they, they get probably half their time to go down the field late. I get eyes. It's it's, it's crushing bad, though. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It
1: affects that next drive certainly.
0: Yeah, and I think the Finley injury and the inability to block up front, the running game, limited the play calling. But then there were also some calls in there where you're like, like the like the interception. It's just like, why are you throwing the ball in that situation? And again, I can say that in hindsight. Um, I, I want I want your take on this because I've seen this one pretty popular. Did you think Auburn should have gone for two? pre-shootout. I
1: thought about that uh, when they went up what, 9-0? Yeah. And then I definitely thought about it when they went in overtime. I understand in regulation just kicking the extra point, you go up 10. That one doesn't give me too much pause. But the, the I guess the more controversial one later, yeah, it would have been nice. I just think it's an odd strategy to think you can go blow for blow with a team that is you know, just in the backdrop of all this more talented, but also uh, your offense can't move the ball. I was shocked that they scored after Alabama scored first. I thought that was, yeah, I thought that we were toast at that point.
0: And you obviously had a two point conversion play that was going to work because that throwback to Shanker was, I don't know how Bama's stopping it. And and so maybe you call it a little bit. It's the aggressiveness in certain spots and, and the, and the lack of it in certain. And again, I want to say this though, and and, and I see where everybody's pointing, and it makes a lot of sense. I get it. That's a whole lot easier decision to make when you are not the one like on yeah. the field in the heat of the moment. Because also, like they don't go for it on, uh, you know, in the in the first overtime. It's like, well, they're not going to stop this this Alabama defense. Well, they did. Like they kicked the field goal, and then they got the stop they absolutely needed, and Bama hit, hit the field goal to tie it up. Then it becomes a two point conversion shootout, which, by the way, is so mind bogglingly stupid. And for anybody who might be saying, oh, you're just saying that because Auburn lost the game. No, I watched Illinois-Penn State do that, and I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. It is the, like, I thought college overtime was better than NFL overtime. Um, and I've always thought that. This right here, this kills it. This kills it. Because at least NFL overtime looks like something like real football. It's not a two-point conversion shootout. It is penalty kicks. It is basically penalty kicks now down the stretch. And it's such a bad... And so that, I think that's the other thing where you take about it, maybe it's a little slight switching back into the positives there, is like, yeah, Auburn, you lost to Alabama, but you also lost in, like, the dumbest format we've ever seen and, like, uh, something you've never seen before. So, you know, you can't be too down about that. But even there, I was like, the big negative here is that that was a stupid rule. I get it that you're trying to have player safety. I get it you don't want to play those marathon games. I understand that. I, you know, somebody said, I don't know how you do – you know, kind of football overtimes and, like, try to, in the name of player health, I, I get it. But, like, man, this is such a lame way to end a game like that. It is such a lame way to end a game like that.
1: Agreed with your take that it's easy to say go for two in that situation. Still wish they had gone for two.
0: Yeah, I mean, and look, they had a play that they liked, and there's just been some times this year where it's like they've been aggressive at spots and they haven't been aggressive at other spots, and it's just... It's interesting. It's interesting to see in the, kind of the timing. But I also think it's a lot easier to say, oh, they should go for two when it's like <laughs> you miss it and it's like, well, what the heck you were doing that for? And, like, the defense did come up with your stop after after that. Um, I do think, though, the go, kneeling the ball with 26 seconds left, you know, to, to head to overtime. I, I, one timeout and a kicker and a non-scholarship you know, non uh, scholarship kicker, I, I don't think they were going to get into a spot, um, especially with Finley Finley banged up. I get it. I I get it, but like I don't think that was a terrible decision. That that was just that's me though. Didn't seem like the players thought it was a terrible decision either.
1: Oh, so many chances to win and no win.
0: And that's and that's the thing, right? It's I mean the, there's gotta
1: be half a dozen plays in that game where you go if Auburn does X, Auburn ends game.
0: Yes. If the flag doesn't get thrown on the on the Jarquez Hunter play, maybe you feel a little bit better about it in that game. Like, there's just so many of those things that happen. And it's tough because you lost that game and you led by 10 points. You led by double digits. And Painter, you said it before you started recording. It's a cheap double-digit lead. Uh, I think you said it's like you're basically up by two right and I
1: think you countered with one and a half which is a you know I mean
0: really yeah, if you it's, look at it, it, if you look at football in terms of possessions you were basically up by one and a half a team
1: down by 10 with a good offense doesn't need very long to get 10 points uh so but nonetheless I think the point still stands when you've blown leads against teams that are not very good and then yes you, this is a better team but uh you know I I rarely have I seen Nick Saban smiling ear to ear like that. I think he knows he still one.
0: Yeah, it's just when you lose 3 games in a row when you had a double digit lead. Yeah.
1: 10 points or not, that's tough.
0: It's going to be a long offseason. It's going to be a long offseason for that staff and the, and those players that are still here. Like it's there's going to be a lot of hard evaluating to be done, and it's I don't know what moves they're going to make, you know, in terms of players or, or staff. I, I I don't know at this point, but you know, Harson sounds committed to the future and sounds committed to kind of building building things up and sticking it out. And you know, I, I think Auburn fans. I think he I think the way they played in that situation, more fans were kinda of won over, you know, back may have gotten back back on the train there a little bit. But it's that's gotta stick really, really hard because, you know, this is a this is a staff that preaches toughness and consistency and execution and like, you know, we might not be the most talented team out there, but we are going to out execute and it's like Second halves of games that has not been the case in these last in the last few weeks and like the year one thing is true like you're trying to build something you shouldn't be ultimately judged on your year one but it like we've like we've been saying the last few weeks, man, like it just makes this job a lot tougher. And if you win that game yesterday, the boost you get from that may just be kind of, you know, it. it, it The boost that you get from that may just be a little bit more kind of feelings-based than necessarily, like, what actually happened, you know? Auburn was a two-point conversion sequence away from beating Alabama in this game. That doesn't change anything that happened in the 60 minutes and overtimes beforehand. Um, A win goes down in the record books as a win. It's a robbery win. Your fan base is even more fired up. Your players are even more fired up, so on and so forth, but... I just, yeah, it's like what I said earlier, like how do you build from this? Cause this, this does not get easier. And the thing I, the thing that stuck out with me about this game is this, and this is my full, like most negative pessimistic view of what happened yesterday. And I, and, and again, I'm going to say this and I don't fully believe it. Cause I think the truth is always somewhere kind of the, the, the real, the reality is kind of always somewhere in the middle but my more most, you know, kind of pessimistic view about what things moving forward is this. The thing you were really good at yesterday was defense. And quite a few of those guys who played well yesterday probably aren't going to be back here next year. Okay? And it, and and the levels of that will vary. The thing that you were the worst at yesterday, offense, particularly on the offensive line. I don't see that necessarily getting immediately better next year. And that is an issue. That is an issue because you had the opportunity to do that. And, like, even if you win, that doesn't change it, right? Auburn wins this game and you're still saying, well, they still got to rebuild their offensive line. They still That defense still has to reload, to, you know, next year. And so, like, that to me is where you have to kind of say it. and It's like, this is going to be a really tough spot for Auburn to be in. Is it impossible? No. There are plenty. Of, like, I could list off plenty of reasons why Auburn bounces back next season and has a much better year and is – is a team that looks like a more consistent contender than they were this year. Look, they beat Ole Miss. They they hung with Alabama. Um, you know X Y Z. They've had they had some good results and some good performances this year. The record just. I mean, they're better than six and six, but that's ultimately what you get judged by.
1: Poor Nebraska. Just my ra- no, no, it's, no. I was just thinking. It's just my rambling to say. way
0: of saying. It's just my rambling way of saying like, yeah, it's tough and it's not impossible and it's not the end of the world but like it's 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 they've got to nail a lot of stuff this off season and that starts with recruiting and that goes into off season workouts and it goes into spring ball and it goes into you know summer workouts and it goes into fall camp and then it goes to the start of the season and it's like it's going to be a lot of wait and see you will hear a lot up in this next off season about like we think we're building and the future is bright and all that stuff and like yeah that's the time of the year where you get all that but like you've got to go out there and prove it and finishing games like figure out why you were not able to finish games here in the month of november figure that out because if you can flip those games you know next season you're talking about a team that can be nine ten wins but it's going to be really, really 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 tough
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, defense should objectively have less talent next season and the offensive line will have newer faces. And I don't know what to make of bringing some of those players back because they haven't been particularly good as a unit. And it was, I I didn't realize you said most of them went through the senior day proceedings. So I think that's sort
0: of telling. The way those guys some of those guys posted after the game, it sounds like that was it. Right. Like right. I, I think Brahms and Council were two tweets I saw where it was like, yeah, it's probably that's probably it for those guys. Um, probably it for a lot of those guys too. Like, man, it's there's a lot changing and, and you know, signing up for another year, that means signing up for a, another really, really tough year. Um, you know, of a lot of work and a lot of stuff you have to put into it. And for some guys who might not necessarily have big time NFL futures Coming back might not necessarily help out their stock that much, or you know, even if they're not gonna give it a shot, you might be done. So, I mean, it's it's uh, those are tough those are tough calls to make.
1: You are what your record is, which is tough when you lose some of the yeah. the games that Auburn has. But I tend to agree with your notion that Auburn is probably a little bit better than a six and six team, even if not by much. I will say Nebraska might have the the best case of the year for a team Ooh. whose record does not match. They're not a good team, but they're not a three and nine team
0: no no and so like we said auburn's got to pick themselves off the mat and see what they've got going into the bowl game and i think man you've you lose that bowl game and a lot of it's going to come down to matches you lose that bowl game and it's just you're right back to kind of where you were a few weeks ago Where it's like whoo there's not a lot of there's not a lot of things to be overly optimistic about from from the fan perspective i would say Mm.
1: What a way to lose. Uh the video of Miss Terry cheering on Saban when they get back to to the locker room area is heartwarming. But also I didn't want to see that.
0: Yeah, that defense, that ninety seven yard drive from the defense, it's like yeah, there were some mistakes made and like they'll go back and watch and see like what exactly went wrong. But it's like also Alabama's got a whole lot of talent and those guys were not gonna be st- you know, stopped forever. And that was just a perfect ball and a perfect catch by a kid who had not even caught a touchdown pass yet. It just always one of does those...
1: seem to go that way. We yeah. love creating heroes for other for other teams.
0: Yeah. You know what the funny thing is, mayor What is that? You were talking about how you could be a whole lot more negative than positive heading into this podcast, and we still have six minutes left in our negative in our negative portion, and we only had two minutes left when we were when we looked up at the clock. With the positive, so I think I think you might be turning a little bit.
1: Uh, I'm nervous about our recruiting, but yeah, you know, I guess uh, we'll see. I think maybe that's one thing about the previous two regimes—they did get off to a hotter start in recruiting, even coming off of some poor seasons. And I understand there are levels to that because of their ties to the South, Mm -hmm. giving them a jump start, but. That gap is just getting wider with uh, the talent at the top.
0: Yeah, and I think what Auburn's got to do is they've got to try to get as much as they can in in the high school. I mean, this is not anything anybody doesn't know already, but get as much as they can in the high school. Um, you know, the high school pickups to bolster that class, make it bigger, big, bigger and deeper. But like, they got to get some instant impact players in the portal, like, and they got to hit. They got to hit pretty well. Um, because if you are not going to, if you are not going to build like get closer in terms of depth in recruiting and, and your young talent long term, if you're not going to get closer to that, you're going to have to win with instant impact players in development, and that's what this staff and this the the whole pitch is for it. But again, like we said, it doesn't make it easy. You can't just snap your fingers because like you know who else is going to try to do that? Pretty much everybody. You know how else is going to try to get the instant impact players in the transfer portal. I don't know. Maybe the new head coach at Florida and in, in LSU who are already pretty good recruiters in, in their own right.
1: What did you, you made a comment referencing Lincoln
0: Riley earlier. What was that about? Did you not see what Lincoln Riley did last night?
1: in the Oklahoma state game.
0: So after the game, he just, he went to the podium and he said, I will not be the head, next head coach at LSU. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, so huh. Auburn fans, if you were worried about that, um, I mean, again, Nick Saban was never going to be the next head coach of Alabama either. So there's that. Um, and then he was, I mean, we've, we've still got four minutes of football talk. I guess we'll, 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 uh, we'll say we were more positive than negative And I, and I'll say we'll switch into this like kind of big, you know, kind of big picture wise. Um, this is, uh, you know, we can talk about how the year went for Auburn and, and, you know the 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 negatives that built up from it and the the negative results, but like man, this is not a year you want to be in the carousel because LSU and USC and Florida are all open and they are like, hmm, who are we gonna get? Like Mel Tucker's already been locked up. Sounds like Dave Aranda might be locked up too. What's USC gonna do? What is you know? Everybody was looking around for Bill O'Brien. It's like I don't think Bill O'Brien necessarily covered himself in glory yesterday.
1: That is a, a, one of those examples. The parallels to when it's fourth and two, and you're in a, the opposing team wants you to to punt, and you punt. Like, I want them to hire Bill O'Brien they you you should know as like i know it's not the athletic director's job to take the pulse of other fan bases but my god do you know how thrilled the rest of the conference would be (laughs) if he was like bill o'brien is our guy people would be cheering in the streets
0: it it does sound like uh billy napier might be the guy at florida and again that was a guy that auburn went after last year reportedly and i think like kind of like it kind of like a harson move where you know he has some more ties to the southeast i'd say a little bit more recruiting he comes from the same tree um, but another one of those is like all right well we'll we'll give you weapons of a of a of a Florida in terms of recruiting what can you do with it um but yeah I mean there's a, there are a lot of opens and that's only going to kind of ratchet up from here um and we'll see uh the other thing there is is that it seems that you know in a game yesterday where Auburn in the midst of a three game losing streak, in the midst of their worst season I think since fifteen I think we can say that um. They played Alabama, you know, and had multiple opportunities to finish them off and win. We're about to, with all the stuff about parity in college football and everything going on, we're seeing big teams not able to go get whoever they want in, in, in the coaching carousel right now. And then number two, if Georgia beats Alabama on Saturday, next Saturday, we are looking at a world where potentially the playoff is Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Oklahoma State in some sort of order. No Alabama, no Ohio State, no Clemson. And we just thought it was just going to be an invitational between those teams. No, Oklahoma. We just thought that was going to be a, an invitational of those teams forever. So it's been a weird year, and it looked like it wasn't going to be a weird year, and now it's kind of a weird year again in college football. But it's like, I guess that goes to show you, and I guess yes, <clears throat> sorry, yesterday it goes to show you when a Michigan beats Ohio State for the first time in forever, when Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma in the first time in forever, I think that goes to show you if you're Auburn, it's like you don't have to be Goliath to beat Goliath and hang with the Goliaths. And, like, look, if Oklahoma State, I know it's tougher, but if Oklahoma State and Michigan can get in the playoff this year or Baylor has a chance to get into it, like, if those can do that, and I know it's different situations, but, man, if Michigan do it, Auburn can do it, why not? Why not? You know, they're in very similar situations as kind of the the, in the shadow of the giant in their their giant rival in their conference, but they went out and did it. And Auburn's been a little bit more consistent at beating them than that. Again, I I still stand to it. It's like there's a lot of hard work to be done, but I think there have been examples around college football and around the SEC where it is if you want to take some positives and you want to stay optimistic for the future, it's this. Auburn football is the least predictable thing in the world. And college football got a lot more chaotic this year, and that might be the start of something. It might be the start of something. I don't know. Or Alabama could get older next season and beat everybody by 100. That, that's also a possibility. All right. Well, we've got to talk basketball as well here. But before we do that, Painter, tell the folks at home how they can continue to support what we've got going on here at The Observer. Rate, review, subscribe. We do appreciate you. It's very easy. I hope all of you took your, uh, took your friends and family's phones at Thanksgiving, um, their iPhones, and went to the podcast app, hit the search button, type in the Auburn Observer, click the Auburn Observer, scroll down to Ratings and Reviews, click Write a Review. Painter, we've got some new reviews to read. You ready? This is from R. Hale, he, and uh, he says, new work phone means another subscription. I just got a new phone to work, so obviously that means I'm going to subscribe to the podcast on here. May all your CC's pizza be fresh out of the oven, and may hey, may you continue blessing us with Auburn content and Painter's Golden Pipes. Thank you. That was nice. Uh, this is Emac Attack Dose, longtime listener, first-time reviewer. Painter's angelic voice is the twi- <laughs> twice-weekly sal- salve. This Auburn alum's Auburn-induced emotional wounds need. I'm sure there are plenty of nice things I can say about Ferg, too, but I'll pass 12 of 10 out of 10 would recommend. That's what you call following instructions. And finally, CCS4AU says never disappoints, like your favorite college sweatshirt. Justin and Painter are great to put on. They catch you up uh, or preview the week's happenings in Auburn football and basketball. Don't miss an episode for an awesome listen. Thank you so much, all three of y'all, for your very kind words. Um, that they really do mean a lot. We've got the Observer still cranking out the newsletters. It's about to be basketball season, full swing. We're gonna we're gonna swap over there here in a in, in a moment. We'll continue to keep you up on, up to date on football. I think Painter, I think I'm gonna do a film room tomorrow on the defense. I feel like I feel like that'll the be naked. more fun. That'll be yeah. way more fun think, for everybody. I think, more, I think more people would like to click on that. Um, and read it. But there's gonna be a lot of basketball, man. It covered uh, all three of the games in the battle for Atlantis, the observations.
1: Basketball um, makes losing even kind of entertaining.
0: And and a shout out to y'all who subscribe to the Observer basketball readership and like people signing up to read basketball content is already pretty high right now. Like it, it is we're seeing some spikes because of basketball and uh, uh that gets me excited because uh, I football I enjoy covering football. Uh, you know, obviously it's the it's the golden goose here in, in at Auburn but my first love was basketball. It's a sport I played. Uh, it is the sport I grew up on, and uh, I am really, really excited to, to cover this team because they are a whole lot of fun to write and talk about. Uh, but auburnobserver.com, six dollars a month or $60 a year. For those of you who listen to our podcast and are not subscribers, well, you're missing out on another podcast during the week that you will get. and We'll give you two podcasts a week. Uh, and Now that we're in this non-football mode, uh, you're going to want to keep up with it because we'll be we'll be talking a lot of basketball. You know, can't just say it's just a preview and a review podcast. We're going to be constantly kind of going through the basketball uh, car wash right now. So uh, that, a lot of newsletters, what happens in the next few days, in the weeks and months for Auburn football as they build towards year two under Brian Harson. a lot of change could be coming around the program. Um, so keep you up to date with that. And uh, all the Auburn basketball uh, analysis – uh, that you need will be at the Observer. Peter, we also have to talk real quick about our good friends at Homefield Apparel, HomefieldApparel.com, ladies and gentlemen. It is the number one place to get comfortable gear supporting your favorite schools, including the Auburn Tigers. Twenty um, percent off black, their Black Friday deal right now. It is a really, really good deal. Um, everything you don't need any other they've just did a, a, a redesign of their website's a whole lot easier to click around and find find the stuff you want now. 20% off everything you don't need a code. you don't need to tell us you know say that you got it from the observer just go. Uh, this will run through Cyber Monday um, so you have until the end of the day tomorrow to check that out. Um, homefieldapparel.com. I'm looking at it some of the stuff they've got for Auburn is sold out. the gray hoodies are sold out at this point. Uh, some of the crew necks are sold out but uh, you've got the nineteen fifty seven national championship shirt you got the basketball shirts the basketball Navy crew neck which is a big hit uh, the orange auburn script some of you are looking uh, forward uh, to to uh, to baseball season even though we don't cover baseball on here there's a cool auburn baseball shirt on there um, I'll be either dunking a basketball or looking like he's about to hit a nice floater over somebody uh, they're all you know all of that at at home field apparel and like we said painter it's the most comfortable collegiate apparel you're going to find anywhere in the world we love it uh i know that i know that you're a big believer in, in home field were you rocking home field yesterday were you rocking the were you rocking your your sweater yes
1: uh i was very cozy in my home field unfortunately it didn't bring us the luck we needed but i looked and felt good and that's really what matters folks
0: it is all that matters. And if you there are other schools that you uh, care about, um, there's a good chance that they are on home field. Uh, and they are continually adding more schools. Um.
1: I wonder if Connor felt like it was going to take off like this. Like at some point maybe he thought, hey, I've got a good idea here. But I sort of doubt he ever thought this quickly they'd just be crushing it.
0: Yeah, they continue to, to blow up like – and There's so many of them. Uh, I, I've talked about it on here. If you're if you're a person like me who grew up on the Troy University Trojans, TSU, Troy State, go. There's some cool Troy State stuff uh, up there as well. Um, pretty much anything. I know we've got we've got listeners who have connections to schools from all over the place, or even maybe you don't even have to have a connection. You just some think of that it. I think is just
1: a vibe. Some people yeah, are, just some a, people dig it. They're like, oh, that that resonates with me. Wichita State, sign me up.
0: Yeah, dope looking shirt. Go for it homefieldapparel.com and like we said uh through Monday their their cyber weekend deal 20% off everything go and fill your cart with homefield. All right. Now that we're uh um, an hour and 10 minutes into the podcast let's talk about the stuff that people are really excited about. Basketball.
1: Um even made a loss look entertaining. Even made a loss look promising. We tried to find all those positives there in football. The loss to UConn did still oh feel goodness. like a positive.
0: Somebody said uh, at the Observer after the game, I want to get it right. Uh, this is AU Barnowl, a uh, friend of the program, said, I haven't felt this good about a loss since Duke at the Maui Invitational. That's what this one kind of felt like, right? Um, let's start from the beginning. Auburn losing 115 to 109 in double overtime with Yukon and buddy that was i think up until i think up until friday night gonzaga and, and duke rip to the zags i was very upset about that um i think it was the game of the year so far in college basketball uh 115 109 uh UConn and Auburn.
1: had a chance there that shot Jabbar, they're just exhausted you could just tell that last shot he took that would have made it. I think what put him down by one point.
0: Yeah, and they had and they had chances to finish it off the end. That that weird four point sequence mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the end of and then Katie Johnson's like I don't care, man. <laughs> like I think that was
1: the big takeaway from the like I think Jabari and Bruce pointed this out was perhaps the best player at that uh, in that that stretch. But everybody learned about Katie Johnson that was not aware.
0: So let's. I mean, again, before we get into. I think we can kind of do some some overall kind of takeaways. But yeah, uh Auburn won sixty two fifty three over Loyal Chicago on Thursday and then eighty nine sixty eight over Syracuse on Friday. Katie Johnson in the in the battle for Atlantis, Katie Johnson averaged four and a half steals a game, I believe. Or four like he had he he was just absolutely crazy at, at this point. He is uh yeah. Five against UConn, four against Loyola Chicago, five against Syracuse. His steal percentage right now is seven point two percent, which means he is stealing the ball seven percent of the time that he is on the floor on defense every possession. Like, and he's and he's in attack mode in the room. We talked about it last season. You know, he's not always super super efficient. At finishing around the rim, he had some. He's had some games where it hasn't been great at, at around the rim, but like he had, to, it, I thought the Syracuse game. He was a he was a good example of that. The fact that Auburn's got a guy and several guys on this team are like, we're gonna go get our shot now. We don't have to rely on the catch and shoot. We don't have to rely like. And Katie just like UConn hits that shot, that three. They're up by two, and it's like chaos everywhere. And he's like, "All right, here I go. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna go score now. Y'all, y'all go catch me at the rim." Um and then he did it again in overtime. He did it again in overtime. Bruce uh said you know we talked about hey I asked him about Katie and he said oh he had so many steals uh here that uh and the that the, the security of the Bahamas uh was concerned about it uh which a bit hey, of a dad bang, joke got him. Um here's the other one though that I think that he said that I, I liked even more. He said Katie is kind of like a shark. With a little blood in the water, he just goes and gets it. I think that's true on both ends of the floor. He sees where a team may be weak around the rim and says, I got it. And then he sees where it's like, oh, you might be a little iffy with the ball or you're kind of leaning at one point. He had a couple of steals in that Syracuse game where it was like he just saw it. He just saw it Well, it went off his assignment. He's like, like again, blood in the water. He He knows when to attack.
1: I like to think that I can sort of feel out how – People would be at a at a gathering at a function at a party and i think i know that katie and dylan cardwell would be the guys having the best time at any sort of function that this team attends mm-hmm. his energy is incredible and man it's pretty clear he wants the ball at the end of the game he wants to be in the middle of everything
0: he he, he absolutely does it, he He's an attack dog on defense. He's an attack dog on offense. We'll talk about Jabari. We'll talk about this team as a whole. But like, you just got to come away from this game and be like, "Man, Katie Johnson's like in a good way. Just a psychopath on the floor. <laughs> like he just is. He's just relentless, man. And like he he is going to be the guy. Um, he's going to be the guy that uh, that everyone hates on this basketball team. Like for you know other teams, they're going to be like, "Man, that guy." <laughs> that dude is just and all, and i guess the big thing is since we've you know since we last uh, did our podcast in the starting lineup now and now you're pr- bringing wendell green off the bench and all wendell green did off the bench was he had seven assists in the second half against syracuse including three in a row three lobs in a row and in, in, in less than a minute um it's just it's that depth of the team wherever you slice it like they're gonna just get you and that was the big thing in this game like UConn, I think, was the game where they had the worst performance from their depth. Bruce guy after the game said, "Man, we had to play some guys some really heavy minutes. We needed more out of this guy and this guy. And like, didn't get much out of the small forwards. Uh, Carwell was kind of kind of absent for most of that game, and he said, you know, he said we got to get more from these guys. And then the next two games against Loyola and Syracuse, they're able to win. You know, control the game. Like Auburn led for more than." half uh, I think Auburn led for 30 plus minutes in both of those games uh, against Loyola and Syracuse and it's because they were the deeper team and Syracuse like the Bayheims were playing a heavy amount of minutes and uh, Loyola uh, <laughs> Loyola Bay- ha- <laughs> yeah <laughs> including Jim. Uh, Loyola um, Loyola had a very small rotation and a very small lineup in general. And Auburn just was like in, – in, in a tournament where you're playing three games in less than 72 hours, and you it's just constant. Like they were talking about it was like they would go get done. Carwell said like they would get done with the game, and then they would eat dinner, and then they'd come back and say, all right, it's time to time to plan, time to, time to game plan for the next game. And then they got to the Syracuse game, and it was like, well, we hadn't even prepared for them because we had no idea who was going to come out on the other side. They install a zone offense, a lot of that zone offense, that morning, and then they drop 89 on Syracuse. Which is, I hope I more teams to, play ooh. zone
1: against us. <laughs> Jabari was probably like, this is fun.
0: It's But it's that 2-3 that they do that it's just like it, – Auburn's got a 1-3-1 one, one that they've rolled out at times this season that has been just relentless because of the the, the wingspan those guys have. Um, but, man, yeah, it's, it's Syracuse has not had a great start to the year on the defensive side, and Auburn was like, well, we'll either shoot it right over you – or we're gonna hit some of these backside lobs that you're just we're gonna we're gonna hit the middle. We're gonna to hit to the outside, or we're gonna we're gonna lob it over your head on the back. Man, Devin Cambridge had a couple of dunks where I was I don't even know how he caught the ball. And again, Devin you know, Devin and Chris Moore, those are two guys. Especially with Allen out right now, is they don't need them to be superstars. But if that's your fifth option, if that's your fourth or fifth option to score, and it's a dude that can jump higher than anybody on the floor. And, uh, I mean, he had some blocks and some defensive plays where he showed his athleticism. You'll live with that. You will definitely live with that. Um, but yeah, it was that depth. And it's Auburn's best strength. Like when, when Auburn is playing 10 or 11 deep, Lior Berman in the two wins playing great basketball. Great basketball. Uh, for a guy who's out there to steal minutes and, and like positive, positive, uh, you know, score. I think he scored against, he scored against Loyola and he scored against, or in, I scored in all three games. Um, I mean, when everybody gets involved in that, it's like there aren't very many teams that are going to play that, that 10 or 11 deep rotation. And it's not just a cheap one either. Like Auburn is bringing dudes that were the best player on their teams off the bench. Jalen Williams, now Wendell Green, it was Katie Johnson. And, yeah, and, and then you've got guys like Cardwell and more. And uh, you would think when, you know, the, the um, when Flanagan gets back and is, is 100%, you would think – Cambridge is going to be a guy who comes off the bench, and that completely changes things as well for Auburn. Like they, the, the strength in numbers is really really important in you know these multi-team events like this. But man, it's even it's 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 going to be even better once you get into the grind of that SEC play because those legs are going to get heavy. the 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 competition is going to be really really high, and Auburn's going to be Auburn's going to be prepared for it. They're not going to play perfect. They still got things to figure out on offense and defense. They're still gelling. They're still trying to trying to go through it as a team. But, man, to go down there and go 2-1 and, and your only loss was to an awesome UConn team, because um, I think that UConn team is really, really good uh, in double overtime, man, you'll take that.
1: It also gives some of your players a little bit more leeway. Like, if Jabari yeah. has a bad game, if Wendell Green has a bad night shooting, it doesn't matter who it is because it will happen to everybody at some point. Having that deep of a bench is nice because it's like, all right, we can count on getting – some production down the line down the bench um also jabari what a classless act what a classless man he is so
0: let's talk about jabari smith shall we let's talk about jabari smith um jabari smith had a tournament where he shot extremely well uh, let's see. Let's go back. 22 points in the loss to UConn, 14 points against Loyola Chicago, but he was 7 of 9 from the field in that game. He was 12 of 12 from the from the free throw line against UConn. And then 22 points against Syracuse, 4 of 8 from deep, 4 of 9 from two-point range. Uh, s- several rebounds, tons of assists in this game, all-tournament player for Jabari. And the moment of the season so far for this Auburn basketball team <laughs> – was Auburn's up by 14 they get a kick out three to Jabari Jabari hits it he he goes back on defense he turns to the Syracuse bench and he says something that gets a technical foul I'm not a great lip reader but I think one of them one of the words he said one of the things he said was y'all can't f with me And some other people saw him say some other things as well um, that kind of uh, around around the same thing. After the game, Smith said this. This game was kind of personal for my teammates and stuff, so I was just a little fired up. Made a shot and said something I wasn't supposed to say. I deserve the tech. That's really not me. Got a little fired up and chirped at him a little bit. That was all. Then somebody asked in, in the Bahamas, like, well, okay, what well, made it personal? He's like, I don't, I'm not going to get into that. And Pearl says, we're not going to get into that. And so the guy's like, well, can I ask you? He's like, well, we're not going to get into that. Um, and then the guy was like, well, you said you have respect for Jim Bayheim. Uh, you know, uh, did you talk to Jabari about it? So he said, yeah, we, we got it handled. So, like, I'm glad, I'm glad everybody could come to Jim Bayheim's defense. Uh, he really needs it. The man who has the second most wins in D1 basketball history needs people who you know, cover him to, to, you know, fight his battles online and offline. Um, (sighs) yeah.
1: I mean, just hilarious. Talk your noise when he's right. He's right. Sorry. Uh, He was right. And if you don't, if you don't like it, stop him from scoring. I don't know. I mean, like I I didn't love watching Alabama run off the court after they beat us in Auburn arena last year, but what are you going to say? They won the game. Should they not be allowed to tell you that they're better than you?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll know 100 percent for sure what happened. What happened, but I think the I think the personal thing was Walker Kessler related because if you don't remember, in April, Jim Beheim said that Walker Kessler transferring from North Carolina was an act of wounded pride, uh, and was like, "Why, Why are you is he weighing in on this? Is I he a messy
1: girl? What is this? <laughs> you are not the coach of North Carolina. Why do you have an
0: opinion about it?" It was he looked like he went straight to Bayheim, like Jim Bayheim and while his boys were sitting over on the at the scorage table, like getting ready to check in. Um it was uh yeah, he played. More he played, of that, played. please. It was like the the I think it was Josh Vitale who said it on Twitter. He was like he was like Syracuse has got a ton of like rec league basketball energy where the coach the coach is uh the two best players is dad. <laughs> And he also Auburn. is,
1: like, clearly taking it too seriously. Can't have any fun.
0: That that big man for Syracuse is pretty good. Uh, I'll be interested to see what he does moving forward. they got some guys who can shoot. Obviously, the Bayheims can shoot. Um, but, like, <laughs> it was – it's like he's running a college basketball program (laughs) like it's a rick league team or it's like a really like shady aau team and it's like auburn's like okay well we've got a dude here who's going to be a top five nba draft pick he's going to make your life really miserable i hope if auburn
1: is winning games like that i hope they keep talking like that
0: walker kessler by the way uh, waiting for him to kind of jump waiting for him to kind of pounce what does he do Back-to-back double-doubles to start the tournament. He looked like he was the best rim protector on uh, at the field yeah, for a while. Yeah, we had – there
1: was another beat reporter carrying water in that same Walker Kessler vein recently, and as you say, all he did was go out there and have a nice uh, nice little run of games. That
0: is not your job. Your job is to not, like, be like – and it's cheap. It's it's cheap pop, right? Like, it's like you tweet stuff like that because you're trying to rile up your own fan base. I get it, but that's that's not your job. Yeah. Um, and like Pearl said after the Loyola game, it's like we're gonna need another double double from Walker in order to win, and they didn't get one. Like Kessler was, well Kessler did not have, did not have a big game. Now efficiency wise, and when you look at some of the stats after the game, Auburn was good when he was on the floor, and um, he just wasn't the guy getting a lot of boards and a lot of points. But yeah, Kessler kind of breaks out of his shell at this point. Zeb Jasper continues to have those games where it's like, man, it doesn't look like he's doing enough on the side. Oh, okay, well, he's the best player, you know, best player in terms of efficiency, plus, minus, stuff like that. Um, We talked about Wendell. It's just, there's a lot to, we we saw De, we saw Dylan Carwell kind of break, break out a little bit in some spots. Devin Cambridge and Chris Moore had some good performances. Jalen Williams, man, like, He's just gonna do this thing this year where he looks like the best player Auburn, the best player in spurts that Auburn has, coming off the bench, and it's like they're doing the things where they do small ball. The small ball lineup they went against UConn really really worked. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the fact they came back from 15 down in that game, and that small ball lineup really really worked for them. Um, it's it's a thing with when you have Jalen at this point where they're doing some stuff where he's playing center, but. Even if it's just him coming in for Jabari, it's like, well, here's the number one, you know, here's the 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 top five NBA draft picks off the floor, and how we got to deal with this dude who does everything, like that. That really, that really is going to wear down on the team after a while. And Auburn goes to the Bahamas. And plays really well against a a UConn team. You know, the three-pointers and the rebounding, they tightened those up in the sec- in in, the, in game two and game three. The defense was excellent against Loyola and in the second half against Syracuse. They did all that, and, like, Alan Flanagan's on the bench. Alan Flanagan's not back yet. Like, this team will continue to get better. And at this point, they are 16th in Kempom ratings right now. I think they should be a top-20 team in the AP poll, although that doesn't really matter a ton. And they and they should only get better from here. They only they should only get better from here. And that that's got to be a pretty pretty uh pretty good sign. Pearl said it best. After he said, you know, this half of our season happened in three days. At so far, it happened in, in Atlanta season. We definitely got better. It's just went out. What do you do from? it? What do you build from it moving forward?
1: UCF should be a revenge game in some ways. A lot of the guys were on the team for that loss last year. They get them at home. Uh, they just played a lot of basketball in three days. Now they get some rest. That was an exciting, uh, exciting run of games that we had. Even the loss to UConn showed a lot of promise.
0: Can I, can I give you some uh, Jabari Smith thing here, real quick? Because mm-hmm. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Jabari Smith is 63rd in the country in defensive rebounding. rate. The skinny, the the skinny freshman is is working hard on the defensive glass. Ken Palm has this fun little thing where you can click on a player and see the comparisons for him. They usually do like height, weight, uh, class is usually a big one, and then stats and say, okay, well here's some guys who around the same size and around the same age, what they were doing statistically. Here's some guys that are comparable to him. Can I give you a quick little reading of the Jabari Smith comps through six games? Let's hear them. Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon. That's the type of player you got right now, Auburn fans. Like You've got like NBA star caliber player. Now, some of those guys on that list didn't really work out. There are. There's a Kevin Knox on there. There's a Kevon Looney, which I love Loondog, Dog, but you know he didn't turn out to be a, a superstar. But those are like those are all stars. Like like you've got those are guys who ended up becoming future NBA all stars and are you know lead dogs on their team. And Jabari looks like that early. Jabari looks like that early, early, and you got to keep it up all season. Those are pretty, pretty impressive numbers to to kind of kind of uh, look at. Auburn is uh, Auburn basketball has UCF this week, revenge game. UCF's pretty good, um, 53rd in Kempom right now. Uh, we'll do a p- quick little preview here. Um, they lost by three at home to a really good Oklahoma team on Saturday. They are shooting the ball pretty efficiently. They're shooting the ball well from deep, hitting their free throws. Uh, turning the ball over to decent clip, but they're also forcing a lot of turnovers. Not a very tall team, giving up a lot on the inside, um, and also giving up a good bit of three-point attempts. Um, so their defense, it's kind of like a, they're either gambling for steals or they're not doing so hot at that point. Auburn's got to take care of the ball at home and try to get some revenge. Uh, they are not overly tall. They've got only one player in their rotation taller than 6'6". That is the 6'11", Czech Mbake Diong, who I think uh, played against Auburn last season. Um, he's playing about 51 minutes, 51% of their minutes this season um good opportunity for auburn to kind of prove that you know they don't get too high from what they got in the bahamas and then turn and play a a ucf team that uh beat miami uh in a high scoring game and uh kind of took care of business against some teams that they're much better than and then you know lost to a lost to an oklahoma team that's gonna be fighting to get into the ncaa tournament this year
1: fun start can't ask for much more i mean i guess you could if you beat uconn but i'll take i'll take that result still even if it wasn't the win they were in a position to win and then followed up with two good games against i think a solid loyola team and curious to see what that syracuse team becomes but yeah. you, I mean, you did beat them pretty soundly in the second half
0: it's still syracuse right it's still a you know 2003 was avenged uh marquise daniels had to be like yes we it probably it. <laughs> felt
1: nice, just a little. It's not the same, but
0: turns out Buddy Bayheim is not Carmelo Anthony. Uh, uh, that'll that'll change some things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought the defensive effort they had that that Loyola team does not miss a lot of shots, uh, and they run really really good stuff. And there were stretches of that game where Auburn was just like, well, you're not getting anything anymore. And um, some of that was kind of some fatigue and some tired legs from from uh, from Loyola, but you got. If you're Auburn, you've got to uh, you've got to take you've got to take a lot of positives from that. Um, so we will uh, I don't know, we're gonna do some show planning right here off the top, Painter. I, um, Painter, do you think you could you think you could do a late night Wednesday night uh, podcast? Let's and do it. Like, I mean, like late Wednesday night. Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. So our Thursday podcast coming up, uh, our next podcast, we will recap the UCF game and look ahead to the Yale game and then talk some more football off of that. Um, we will have, like I said, the film room, uh, some more basketball uh, coverage. Mailbag will be back next, uh, back this week as well. So there a lot of stuff you can check out at auburnobserver.com covering all the football games and now all the basketball games moving forward for the Tigers. Um Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys uh, telling your friends and subscribing and doing all the stuff Painter wants you to do. Um, we will, uh, there, you know, you have a lot of stuff right now. You're trying to buy during the the holiday shopping season. We're not going to do the full court press on the on the Observer gift subscriptions quite yet. Uh, we're gonna let we're gonna let everybody else take take this first time. But once we switch into December, uh, just keep in mind it's it's real easy to 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 give a an observer subscription to your uh, to your friends and your family, and uh, we might make it a little bit worth your while if you do. All right, that will do it. Uh, we will uh, iron ball fallout more basketball moving forward. Painter, I'm glad we're going to get a finish on a high note for you because I know you were you were you were feeling it coming into this podcast.
1: We're a basketball school.
0: Yeah. Well. It's about it's about to be it's about to be that case here for the next few weeks, and uh, you can you can check that all that out at the Observer. Final thoughts.
1: Have a nice week.